This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz... Come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and it's hard to believe, but this is our last off-season podcast, our last preseason podcast, because mm-hmm. our next show, it'll be game week, Texas and UTEP, and we now know that game will be a 7 o'clock start September 12th at DKR. It's on the Longhorn Network, which I'm going to go ahead and guess is the way that just about everybody listening to this podcast is going to view the UTEP game considering the seating restrictions at the stadium this year due to the pandemic. Nevertheless, we march along. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst here on Longhorn Blitz. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about yourself? I'm good. And Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003, spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whatever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. And when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts. He is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro as always, brother. I appreciate it. How you doing? I'm good. I just try not to butcher the intro. If I can get no, through that without getting tongue-tied, then I feel like we're off to a good start. No, want to remind good. want to remind everybody to uh, search this podcast anywhere you get your podcast, whatever platform you're using to get podcasts these days, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Longhorn Blitz is on all those platforms. Just search Horns 24-7 Podcasts. Don't forget to like us and leave us a five-star review. That's how uh, that's how we keep this thing rocking and rolling. Gentlemen, we left off last week's show kind of going position by position on offense. And we'll get to defense, but I want to start there, Rod, because Tom Herman in his Zoom call with reporters, which I was on on Sunday following practice, the team took a couple of days off yeah. Thursday and Friday, got back to it over the weekend. And now as we sit here now, they're in a mock game week. So Tuesday would have been kind of first and second down prep for UTEP. Wednesday, uh, you know, Rod, you've been through this. That's your red mm-hmm. zone, your goal line package type stuff. Thursday's your polish. Friday's your walkthrough. And then what Tom Herman said is Saturday they'll go through a mock game, which they'll go through. He'll just go through multiple situations mm-hmm. uh, coming off the goal line, short field, et cetera, yeah. all that fun stuff. And, and that's going to be interesting too because I would imagine – 
due to numbers, due to injury concerns. I would imagine Texas and a lot of other programs across the country probably haven't repped special teams, done a lot of live special teams reps. No doubt. So I'd imagine as much special teams walkthrough as you can get at this point is probably key. But, Rod, mm-hmm. something Tom Herman said in that Zoom call really was, was ringing in my ears because it's something you and I have talked about, people that have listened to the Blitz, some of the feedback we've gotten on this podcast, some of the stuff I've written at Horns 24-7. It's like, ah, I think you guys are overblowing this wide receiver position thing. I think you guys are overblowing it. Mm-hmm. My point of contention, Rod, and you've had a similar point, is look, is, is there talent there? Yeah, there, we all agree there's talent. It's Texas. It's just not mm-hmm. proven talent. Yeah. Tom Herman comes out and says, because I asked him about 11 personnel and kind of why, just kind of reiterate why he likes 11 personnel. Did he get personnel. offended? No, <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> no, he, he actually gave a real, a real good answer. He's like, you know, he likes 11 personnel because, that, as we talked about with the pro spread, the tight end is, is the position that really <laughs> ties the two together. It, it ties your pro, your pro style elements, having a guy that can be an inline tight end, but the versatility of that position, if he's a guy that can be an H back and, flex can be in the slot you can even split him out wide at times uh, really adds to the spread part of the pro spread and we, we talked about that a lot but I asked him about you know the the crux of my question was whenever you decide to go off into different personnel groupings whether it's 21 or 20 or 10 or whatever is that dictated week to week based on opponents and matchups or is that you looking at your own personnel and saying no, this is what we need to do based on strengths. And he said they haven't worked with 10 personnel yet. This is Tom Herman in a press conference. So, again, I'm not calling Tom Herman a liar or saying <laughs> you need to take this to the bank. I'm saying it's a press conference quote, so take it for what it's worth. He said they haven't worked much 10 personnel, but he, right, he said they did work 12 personnel. We know they did it in the second scrimmage. And he said they have worked 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends, because of – depth issues at wide receiver. They've had some guys out. Mm-hmm. But he also said due to productivity. And the word productivity is what really caught my attention yeah. because he didn't specifically say the tight ends have been that good or the wide receivers mm-hmm. have been that bad. Rod, I'm guessing if the head coach is talking about productivity, it's probably a little bit of both. Maybe that tight end group is giving him more than what he thought they would. And maybe that wide receiver group, specifically the outside receivers, maybe they're just not giving him – what he thought they would. Yeah, um, that's a good point. I don't know which one, or like you said, maybe it's both. I, I think that with Mike Yursich, I think overall it just might be the influence of Mike Yursich on the offense. Mike Yursich, just the time you go look at it, the time that he had at Oklahoma State, he loves a lot of multiplicity within the offense. He likes to have different personnel packages, personnel groupings. You know, I was even talking yesterday to BK and KD on the show. I mean, remember the diamond formation that Oklahoma State pulled out mm-hmm. with Mike Yurcich? Uh, they were doing that in 2018, I think. They were they were still using the diamond formation, mm-hmm. but they used it way back in 2014, 2015. Three running backs the fr- in the backfield, two tailbacks with the Cowboy back in the diamond formation. And, you know, that's but that's just, an, I think, the nature of Mike Yersich from what I've seen. Now, I know that he also can be more rigid about 11 personnel, but I think with Texas, it just makes more sense with the uncertainty at wide receiver and with, and I think you should start in the backfield. I, I actually think the 12 personnel thing, that's that's great, but that's new to me. I don't necessarily see the tight end position being that productive. If he ends up being really, really productive, that's that's really, really good. But I don't want them to force that. I'd like that to be a complementary element. I think you need to break out more two-back sets. 
So I know he said they haven't used 10 personnel. They should because you need Jake Smith and Jordan Whittington on the field at the same time. So if he's not doing that, then you, they ain't doing it right. And if they're not using two back sets, they're not doing it right because those are your strengths. Your two H's mm-hmm. with Jordan Whittington and Jake Smith and your backfield with Bijan Robinson, Keontae Ingram, Rojo. Those are your strengths. You're going to start piling tight ends on the field. unless And you could just have a power running game and do it that way. And I don't know. Maybe that's good. But that's not the pro spread that we've seen in adding yourself to the to the mix. I don't necessarily see that that being the direction they're going to go to a kind of Stanford offense. More pro than spread. Well, let me let me put just put this out on the table real quick. So we talk about the diamond formation. I think the diamond formation in the Big 12, the first program we really saw make use of the diamond formation was Oklahoma. But at the time, think about what Oklahoma had. They had guys. You had a guy like a Dimitri Flowers or an Aaron Ripkowski. You had that guy, Trey Millard. You had mm-hmm. that guy who was really that kind of the new age fullback, right? He's an H-back. He can play inline tight end if you wanted to, but he can really do so many different things. Really kind of like almost like the Joe Gibbs, right, old school H-back is what I thought of some of those Oklahoma backs in the early part of the last mm-hmm. decade. Mark Andrews became it. Right, and – Tom Herman, I'm glad you brought up Mark Andrews, Matt, because Tom Herman specifically mentioned OU early in Lincoln Riley's tenure. They were running a lot of 12 personnel with Dimitri Flowers and Mark Andrews. So, like you said, Rod, throw that in with Mike Yursich, his history with the Diamond Formation. I know we're just talking about one formation, but just stay with me here, listeners. I'm just going to make this point and then move on. He talked about Oklahoma doing it with Dimitri Flowers and Mark Andrews. The, the question here, Rod, is does Texas have anybody on the roster right now that can be what Mark Andrews and Demetri Flowers were at Oklahoma. I, I don't know. No. I, I don't think so, and I don't, don't know that even by the end of the year, if guys hit their ceiling, I don't know that you're you're going to get that. I, I think it would be a risk for them to try to force that issue. Like I said, those should be complementary pieces of yes. the offense. Two, two tight ends, that's great. It's a complementary piece. It's great. Like it, You know, I mean, if you're the Bucks, and the Bucks are going to be a 12-personnel uh, package team for most of the year. That's mm-hmm. what Bruce Arians said. Yeah, because they have O.J. Howard. They got Gronk now, and I think they got another tight they end. They still team. have Brate. Yeah, they got like three really, really <laughs> good tight ends, right? Mm-hmm. So if you you just build your offense around what the strengths are, I don't know why they're trying to force feed this thing. We, we know the H position is going to be really, really productive. It always is. I think your backfield is probably as talented as it's been since – you know, you got to go back to mid-2000s when the backfield was this talented. And your offensive line actually is one of the better offensive lines you've mm-hmm. had here in the last 10 right. years. That's how you build the offense. Doing it any other way, you're working harder, not smarter. Go ahead then. Go ahead and do that. Go, I mean, go ahead and build it around their wide receiving core. I just don't think that's the, wide, the way to go this year. Well, and whenever I, he first brought up the idea that, you know, if Herman's talking about really enjoying the 11 personnel because he's liking what he's seen at the tight end, it's like that sort of makes me re-gauge what we're looking at because at first it's like, man, that 11's going to work if you have a really good dynamic tight end and all-around top end tight end because then you aren't predictable, you aren't going to be pigeonholed or be deficient in an area or not. But if you don't have that, then it, you really can become much more predictable, especially if, like, say you have a one-tool tight end that is deficient on the other side of the ball. If he can't, isn't a great route runner, or if he's just average across the board. And that's why, I mean, it would be good news if we're getting somebody and we're saying that the production's there and that's going to be there and that would be the top end that you would want. 
But if you go and look at based on the evidence that we've seen at Texas, it's hard to believe in one year it's transformed with the same <laughs> players. And, you know, like, and to seeing that, it sort of makes me worry a little bit just from the quote that it'll be more of the same that we saw before because there isn't much variable if that tight end isn't dynamic and you're going to be going and running out 11 personnel. Now, he could be just coach speak and it's preseason and who knows and maybe that won't be all they are. But I don't know. When I first heard you say that, at first I was like, well, that's good if he thinks he's that much better and I hope he did improve that much. But if we're basing it off of everything, I don't know. Rod, talk me through this because this is this is the thought I had and somebody, I forgot which poster it was, was somebody that listens to this podcast and that's on Horse 24-7 kind of called me out on this and I agreed with them to an extent. Um some of this, to what Matt, to Matt's point just now, some of this is gamesmanship by Tom Herman. Like he's not going to tell you everything they've been of working on. Of course, uh, and he's like, well, "We haven't worked ten personnel." I I have a hard time believing that. I can't I can't believe you went in an entire camp and didn't work didn't work in ten personnel. Yeah, what's once. the new stuff you're working? So and, and, yeah. and plus with I agree with this with you know nine of your ten games now are conference games, and let's face it. You can probably line up in eleven personnel for all your snaps against UTEP and win that game the way you should win that game. Yes, because it's UTEP, so you're not going to show that much. But then, Rod, you fall into the trap of, well, didn't we sit here last year and say, I don't worry, they're they're gonna, you know, hey, there was a method to the madness against yeah. LSU, you know, of just kind of being a little bit vanilla and here, kind of mm. here's what we do and let's see where our athletes are, and we never saw innovation. So it's like your go to whenever the offense doesn't look good, nah, they're gonna hold. He's off. saving it. So I guess confirmation bias. I guess where I come out on it, Rod, is I'm not. If I don't see a lot of diverse personnel packages against UTEP, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna freak out. But there will be a little flag that goes up. I'll think, all right. What is it? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you don't need that to to beat UTEP. You but but if we get to September 26th in Lubbock and we don't see any any growth, any evolution, then it's time to raise the red flag. I, I totally agree. This year, because the, the schedule is so different because of COVID-19, I don't know if you may see more earlier than usual. Like, that's a that's a really good point. I don't. I still think the base personnel group of this 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 offense is going to be 11 personnel. There's no question about it. Right. It will be. Mm-hmm. That's just part of the DNA the of the pro spread. Of it. Right? And all, all I think they should do is because – you need to become a matchup-based offense at one point is try to give yourself more chances to win, to have winning matchups or advantageous matchups across the board. To do that goes back to the point that, you know, uh, that, that you were just making. Uh, I, I think that, you know, the, right, the tight end position right now doesn't give you a matchup advantage necessarily across the mm-hmm. board either way as an as elite blocker or elite receiver. Mm-hmm. So in that case, you can you can structure it different based on the personnel package. That's why I said the 10 personnel package with Whittington and Jake Smith in the slot to me should be one of your your featured packages. Yeah, you should be running that 20 to 25% of the time. And the reason why is because you can go from 10 personnel, one back, zero tight ends, with those two guys in the slot to twenty, mm-hmm. seamlessly back there. with just a shift or a motion, easily go to twenty. You start teaching those running backs how to block, and instantly you can win the numbers game right there at the point of attack. You instantly got oh, I got eight guys in the point of attack, and they want to. We're going to spread them out initially. They're going to put dime on the field. They're going to put six DBs on the field. Then we're going to shift, and you know what, man, we're going to go old school option football with Sam Ellinger and Bam Bam Sam and two backs. 
I mean, it, it you know it, what I mean? That's a matchup even, advantage. You could even show a 12 personnel look at a 10 personnel if you wanted to. You could. You if, could. If one of the, if one of the, if the H receiver is kind of like a, the old school wing back look, kind of yeah. offset. You could. Yeah. yeah. Or you could go with the flex tight end look that we've also heard some about, which I think is, is a good sign of creativity. So, so my point, I, I love the 11 personnel, but you, if you don't mix in some two back sets in there, and I know Yursich is going to be pounding the table for it because he did a ton of it at Oklahoma State, so I expect to see that. And and, and if I don't see 12 personnel at times situationally, I would be upset. There, There's 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 reasons, because that 12 personnel package against this this new uh, inverted Tampa 2 scheme that everybody's throwing out there that John Heacock has popularized and mastered that has been really, really effective versus these spread, spread schemes – the 12 personnel package can can do some damage against it. Can. It can. It can do some major damage against it if you if you do it the right way. I'm glad you brought that up because going back to the uh, THSCA clinics, the lectures, when I watched Mike Yersich and Lincoln Riley go through their offenses, a lot of what Lincoln Riley talked about was, and you heard him say it multiple times based off, uh, you know, he kind of went over some of their staples in, in mm-hmm. their offense. and. Stuff that you can run off of it, and that's all. I, I, I heard him say a lot. This is a good drop eight beater. This is a good drop eight beater. This is a good drop eight beater. He also talk about Mike here. It's as much drop eight as we see. As much drop eight mm-hmm. as we see. So yeah, these it, it, there you are seeing a lot of defensive innovation in this league, Rod. But at some point, these offensive minds are going to catch up to it. They're they're mm-hmm. just too yeah. damn good. They're just too good. Well, and that's a big part of the modern game in football, and it, you see it in basketball all the time. Yesterday, hearing Brad Stevens in one of those wired things coming out of the timeout, he's like, guys, he's like, the defense is going to tell you where the ball goes. He's like, just go out there and flow, and they, they're going to dictate what happens and where the right decision is. And that's what sort of you're talking about, Rod, with the idea of being malleable. And just if you're open to ch- being able to go and move from your 11 to, say, you're going 10 or to 12 or vice versa, start their show to come back to your base of 11 either way you as long as you have the potential to be malleable to be able to adjust to the defense and what they're doing then you have that nice mismatch advantage that can always be in your favor if you get stuck into what you like because you love the 11 personnel or you like the personnel that's specifically on the field in that grouping then you sort of really prevent yourself from then having that counter and if you're dealing at that you're simplifying the process and it's a big thing we've talked about all summer yeah mike gundy loves to do that but i mean even my man shano right he mm-hmm. the 21 personnel is going to force you defensively to react a certain way mm-hmm. you get you get two backs one tight end and most teams are going to go okay i need 40 personnel on the field i need three linebackers or four linebackers out there they're going to pound me your natural fear kicks mm-hmm. in as a defensive coordinator all right i gotta stop the run these guys are gonna they're gonna pound the rock against me and then shano comes out with a versatile tight end and a yeah. versatile fullback mm-hmm. and then He's he's running he's that running option routes and yeah and late releasing routes and mm-hmm. play action pass against you because now you have geared your defense to stop the run and mm-hmm. he's using that natural fear against you so the the personnel package and the formation can almost dictate what the defense is mm-hmm. going to do and once you do that then that's why you come out. That's why the Patriots in in the Super Bowl against the Rams right what they do twenty two personnel two backs two tight ends. 
empty formation. Yep. And because the, the, you knew the Rams. If I do this, oh, they're going to come out with their three linebackers and four linebackers. And then those linebackers are going to be in coverage. And those linebackers in coverage against Gronk, I win. That's my matchup. I win. Your quarterback identifies it. You got a quarterback right now, top three quarterback in the country right now that's going to yep. be playing college football. And he can identify those matchups. You can spread Jordan Whittington out of a 21 personnel package, and you can find the mismatch. And you can identify with, it. Now he's potentially with the linebacker instead of if yeah. you go out there and show pre-snap what you're giving, the opponents have ability to adjust. Especially, I mean, this is sort of the next evolutionary step in football after tempo because when tempo came in, it really prevented the amount of substitutions to be able to go inside the game. You mm-hmm. have to wait for a whistle or time to be able to do it. Well, what do you do when you can't do that? Well, you can actually, in theory, substitute if you have these packages that can go and evolve from one to the next. So just because you're personnel and you have a guy that can be a hybrid at two different positions, in theory, that's just that next step that you're able to take advantage and be advantageous on the field. And like when you see coaches really get that, they buy into it and be able to build their whole roster on those type of systems on the defensive end and on the offensive end because you don't want to get stuck in one of those situations because you used to hate just getting stuck when you couldn't sub. Well, now you can't sub, and then even mm-hmm. if you get the right grouping out there, it's like, yes, yes, we did show him here in the backfield, and now you got a guy that might be a linebacker on, but we're going to split him out. Now you got to run with him on the outside and see if you can stick with him, and it's just the next way to be able to always have one step ahead or, in theory, always be one step behind if you aren't doing that and the defense now can be ahead of you. Rob, let's talk about the the, the running back situation real quick, and, and this kind of leads us into the, the wide receiver discussion, and I do want to talk defense and we'll get there, I promise. But when you look at the, the running back stable right now, bringing in Gabriel Watson as a grad transfer from University of Sioux Falls, which I'm not going to lie, I had to look up University of Sioux Falls whenever this move happened. Grad transfer running Yeah, I'm not 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 up to date on my uh, NCAA Division II teams. But at any rate, so, but Rod, you bring him in and uh, really gives you kind of what you were looking for. You really needed a fourth guy, kind of an emergency situation, because you're, you're not worried about finding another playmaker. You're just like, look, we just need a, a good depth piece, kind of the – break glass in case of emergency this prevents you from oh gosh we got to move jordan whittington back and start shuffling pieces around so it gives you a nice buffer that's different than bringing in brendan schooler as a grad transfer wide receiver where if you're bringing a grad transfer wide receiver at this point in the game whenever it's like oh you're loaded with talent you got all this talent well you wouldn't be bringing in a grad transfer if you were that sure about what you had at, at outside receiver would you Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know what to think of the schooler thing. I'm not going to lie to you. I have no idea really what to think of it. I, it's a strange I think it's, pickup. I think <laughs> it is. It's just strange to me. I thought they were getting it so they can get his brother. Yeah. And well, then the brother didn't go. Maybe, maybe even, it's a roster yeah, filler. So I don't know what to think of that thing. I'm not I think lie to you. it's. He had a better career at safety than he didn't necessarily at wide receiver. I think <laughs> in Oregon, this switched to wide receiver. I think it's. Well, I think it's two things. I think one. Outside of Tariq Black and Jake Smith, I don't know that anybody at receiver had a great camp or a breakout camp or just is making the staff feel really good about that situation right the now. The guy that did got hurt. And that's he the was. other part of it. I think Troy O'Meary was 
maybe better than we the stat than we had heard about and that we were giving him credit for. And I think he was going to be a really big part mm-hmm. of what they were going to do in the passing game this year. And now that. they're like, look, maybe throwing another body in there. Maybe somebody gets a sense of urgency and steps up. Maybe Schooler can give you X number of reps, whatever it is. But I don't know, Rod. I just I'm not. I'm not bullish on this outside receiver group. I, I like Jake Smith, and I, I feel like I know what they've got with Jordan Whittington. It's just yeah. a matter of the H if is, he can stay the H healthy. H is good. But, H is good. Man, Tariq Black's got injury history, and, and Brendan Eagles, we know he went through that deal this summer where he talked about not playing, and Josh Moore coming off the suspension, and even then he had the injury as a freshman. There's your, your list of things you can bank on at outside receiver now is very small. Yeah. I think Sam Sam's maturity and Sam's growth as a a pocket passing threat um, early on, of course, Bam Bam Sam, you know, was the I think the, the featured skill set uh, that everybody saw with Sam. But I think last year you saw a lot of those NFL throws that you want to see from him. I I believe that his growth can help that group uh, overachieve. I think you know I mean I think him yeah. just putting. You know, him recognizing coverages, being able to recognize the guy that's got the mismatch, uh, being able to put the ball on the money. You know, his deep ball is one of the best deep balls in the country. You know, I do. I think that is going to be the key for that that wide receiver group. And hopefully the Yersich scheme, the Yersich scheme, the, well, the Yersich interpretation of the pro spread, mm-hmm. his, the cover version of it, will scheme guys open. Last year, you know, it <laughs> – well, really not just last year, since 2017, since Tom Herman got here. And the offense has gradually improved. One of my biggest criticisms is the, the wide receivers are pretty much put on an island to just get yourself open. They don't scheme these guys open with a lot of bunch formations. There's a lot, not, not a lot of pre-snap mm-hmm. movement for these guys. They don't flex them. Not a lot of minus splits. Um, you know, even the route tree, as you've discussed plenty of times, Jeff, it's pretty, it's pretty bare, you know. What I mean, it's pretty bare, and they're just a few routes. It has, it has been, yeah. Yeah, it's not very, it's not very creative. They don't run these guys. I, you know, against LSU, you'd always see a guy with a minus split to the opposite side, and then he would run a route, and he end up on the other hash mark on the other sideline from the opposite hash of where he lined up. Just very creative stuff, and you don't see a lot of that. And I think with yours, you're going to see more of that. That also can help the wide receivers. I, too. I think that's the biggest part of it. Is now you can't rely. You know, it was almost a gift and a curse with guys like Colin Johnson and Devin Duvernay and even little Jordan Humphrey. Mm-hmm. Where you know mm-hmm. those guys can win so many one on ones, you don't even have to worry about scheming open. Well, now you can't. You can't lean on that Agreed. at this point. Now you've got to. Yeah, part <laughs> of it, it. It's a. It's a. It's equal parts, right? I do agree with you, Rod. It's going to be instead of your skill guys being there to support your quarterback, it's going to have be your veteran quarterback now has to lift up the yep. pieces around him. Yeah, but also. This new offensive staff you put together, it's time for you to start scheming some things, scheming guys open and, and coming up with some things to help your wide receivers out. I agree. And, and that's exactly what, you know, I mean, you brought up Yursich in his past, but when you look at just uh, the way the roster lays out and you look at the coaches, if you were to design a situation, it's like, well, we need to get a little inflated production from a deficient area. Well, right now that's the right system because, I mean, if you're talking about what was done before, you had good guys that are solid and if you're at tech, Texas, you expect him to win, but when you go get a guy like Herman, you're getting him for the X's and the O's and the scheming and to be able to help and sort of 
eliminate a lot of the stuff that makes you just be be simple. And if you're just out there being like, yeah, we're better than y'all. We're going to go beat and we don't care. It's like a lot of people can coach that way. Yep. But that, and that's why Texas at times got into lulls or had issues that just didn't reach the ceiling. And when you can bring in a guy like Yursich and then, I mean, Brennan Eagles, at least the amount of snaps he had. And then you saw certain guys on the outside get a few reps late in the season. So when in regards to college football returning production, it isn't that drastic. But when you look in context to what Texas lost and the type of players they lost, it's like, oh, man, that's really overwhelming. But almost year to year, you'll see no matter where you are or what team, a lot of the times you'll lose a star and you'll be like, man, how is that ever going to be replaced? And then it's quickly replaced because a lot of these skill position guys, you can really elevate via scheme. And that's where it all comes down to this new fit and how much Yursich is going to be able to help unlock this roster. And just look at the players and how they work together as a group of 11 differently than, say, Herman and the two minds hopefully can have differing opinions that can also be productive because those are the reasons why you hire a guy like Yursich to come in and deal with it. So, I mean, the top end of Eagles, It, I mean, when you look at him, he's the one guy on the outside that you feel confident can maybe be the next one to take this step, sort of like you didn't expect to see that step taken from LJ. And even with Duvernay's prior career, Duvernay was proven, but you didn't expect what you got from Duvernay either. So if you follow that trend, maybe Eagles, it isn't the H position, but if you can actually have somebody that's not that position, be a guy that becomes a weapon or becomes weaponized via scheme, it can really make your offense a lot more dynamic than expected. Uh, yeah, one thing I want to piggyback on real quick, what Matt just said, you know, about what we were talking about, and uh, Tom Herman's kind of been guilty of this at times, is, is not really scheming things, just kind of trying to let your talent take over. Mm-hmm. Rod, when you were on the 40 Acres, Greg Davis was guilty of that early in his tenure as offensive coordinator, that once you yeah. got to play an opponent where the talent was equal or on a level playing field, you know, the Oklahomans of the world, mm-hmm. the, and you needed to come up with that innovation to take you over the top or feature that certain, you know, guy, whether it's a Cedric Benson or whoever, you just you couldn't do it yeah. a lot of times or you failed to do it or it was a mis-executed plan or whatever. Uh, but then we saw Greg Davis kind of evolve, and then he went to the zone yeah. read, and we know oh, what yeah. he did with Cole McCoy, et cetera. So, uh, and I think it goes back to, you know, kind of the growth of this program mirrors the growth of Tom Herman as a head coach. You got to remember, like this is what going to be Tom Herman's what sixth year as a collegiate head mm-hmm. coach. So he's still. I know Texas fans don't want to hear that because this isn't a job where you should be learning on the job, but that's <laughs> yeah. the reality. That's we chose. It's the reality of where you are right now. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that, and you know, kind of getting back to Matt's point about this, it's a schematic advantage. At one point, you need a schematic advantage. Right. Too often last year, defensively and offensively, Texas just didn't get that. They didn't get that at all. And I would always say for Texas, I, you know, you talk about featuring the wide a wide receiver, and obviously it'll be the H position. It always has been. But remember last year, you played teams like K State, Owl State, hell, even Oklahoma. Of course, with CD Lamb, who can't hide, you can't hide CD Lamb on no. a freaking football field. Right. Yet Lincoln Raleigh would. Remember the play, the, the reverse where he would bring him around, mm-hmm. fake the reverse to him, and then let him keep running to the yeah. other sideline mm-hmm. and then the backside of the play, the backside of the play, pre snap motion then becomes throw a head him start. Be basically, but ends up being like an end and around to him, mm-hmm. and he was wide open. 
somehow he hid C.D. Lamb, the best player on the field. He hit him. The Texas defense lost track of C.D. Lamb. (laughs) That's how good that scheme was. That's what what you got to be able to do. do. And you know what? Same thing happened against K-State. Their top receiver, I forget his name. Uh, Remember, they did the same thing. They put him in the backfield. And did like uh, Malik, Malik and then Knowles, they faked yeah. it to him. Was it? It's, it wasn't Huber or Zuber. It's Malik Knowles, huh? No, it was. Talk about, talk about the game no, this last number four. Year, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And, this, and you know, Iowa State did the same thing with their top receiver. They did. The, I mean, they did oh. a, a version of it. The same thing. They basically put him in the backfield, lined him up, and then ran him on uh, in the round. Basically, kind of a, a reverse, and he kept going. I forget exactly how the play was diagrammed, but. You get my point. Yeah. They're hiding their best receiver, the guy the defense is supposed to keep up with. Mm. That's what a really, really good play will do. Yeah, oh, it's so layered. Really, really that good play two, designers three, and play callers come. can do. Yeah. It's a multi layered, multi factorial play. We see it in the NFL all the time. Like, how many times do you watch a Chiefs game? You're like, how the hell did Tyreek Hill get that? How the hell did Tyreek Hill get one on one with how that? Do you, guy? How do you lose the fastest man in the league? Why is a linebacker on Alvin Kamara? That's well, crazy. It just, yeah. it just happens. <laughs> Speaking of linebacker, Rod, let's go to defense, and we're going to have to continue the defensive conversation next week because, let's face it, there's not going to be a ton that we need to do prep work about when it comes to UTEP. So, sorry, Miners fans. Texas favored by, like, 42 still. Yeah. uh, It's about 52 to 9 is the line if you take Texas to cover. Yeah, so we'll we'll get into it a little bit, and, and it'll be more kind of big picture Texas next week as we've been doing these last few shows. But Rod, when you look at this defense, let's start. The, the easiest place for me to start is the defensive line, and even though Marcus Bimba drops out, that defensive line hasn't really skipped a beat. Jacoby Jones has reportedly had a good camp. Moro Ojemo still hanging around. Vernon Broughton and Alfred Collins have been yeah. the talk of camp. Uh, it's funny, like you talk about how good the defensive line has been, and. Through camp, it's like you haven't really heard about Tavon, uh, not Tavondre Sweat. You have heard about Tavondre Sweat, but haven't really heard a ton about Keandre Coburn or Taquan Graham. They're just kind of there doing their thing. Mm-hmm. I, I and, and this goes back to what we talk about on the show a lot. By now, you should realize, and, and this goes to talking about scheme on defense. I think whereas sometimes you need to do that extra innovation on offense to give you a lift. I think at times that extra innovation or attempt to on defense can really hurt you if you're getting guys out of position, as we saw at times last season. Uh, but I, I think just to switch the four-man front and the nature of how Chris Ash wants to attack defense, yeah. attack offenses, excuse me, just by letting guys pin their ears back, letting guys be one-gap penetrators, asking guys to do less two-gapping. Rod, if it, I'm at the point with this defensive line right now, as deep and as talented as it is, if we get to the end of the year and this Texas defensive line, you can't look at it and say it is unequivocally the best defensive line in the Big 12, then something along the way went wrong. Yeah, especially with the young, uh, those young war daddies seem to be coming along, like you said, ahead of schedule. And uh, Joseph Osai, I know he's playing the jack, but when I think about that D-line now, I can't help but think about him as a part of it, pass rushing yeah. and run stuffing. Mm-hmm. And Taquan Graham and all the things I've heard about Taquan Graham in the offseason and how he's transformed his body mm-hmm. and become kind of a, a player on that defensive line that can play outside or play inside for you. So I, I, I love everything I'm hearing about the D-line. I think it's going to be a strength in the end. Thank God you got some some really good young interior defensive linemen because I'm worried about the linebacking core. And I think that D-line will be able to keep those linebackers clean enough for them to make plays. DeMarvio and Overshone, 
you know, I, I, I'm worried about him being able to, you know, to, to fight off blockers. He won't have to do that as much because that defensive line is going to be boss hogging up front. Let's let's shelve linebacker for just a second because I think it's when you hear Chris Ash talk about how he envisions this defense and Rod, it makes sense in a in a four down press quarter scheme. You would focus more on your defensive line, making oh, yeah. sure you're getting what you need at the point of attack, and then also focusing on coverage on the back end. This secondary is proven to be, and again, we thought this last year about this group. Like if guys, you know, we said in the preseason, like if yeah, this secondary stays healthy, it could be one of the better secondaries in the conference. It just didn't stay healthy. Guys were always hurt. You're running guys in and out. Yep. But now they're legitimately too deep at both corner spots. And I, I tend to think, Rod, for the opener, you'll probably get Josh Thompson and Deshaun Jameson starting at corner. But, That's very strange. But I don't. But I don't think it's going to matter. Interesting. At the end of the day, I mean, you, you know, I mean, though, if you're a corner, if you're uh, no, I'm not, no like, it's just it, it's interesting. If you're a guy like Jade Barron or, or one of the, or Keaton Crawford, one of those other corners, you you're gonna have to get your reps on special teams because between Thompson, Jamison, Jalen Green, and Kenyatta Watson, there ain't gonna be a lot of reps for other corners. Those, I those, those that. four guys are gonna play a lot. I, I think you'll see. Assuming you know, I'm I'm projecting this thing correctly. Jalen Green and Kenyatta Watson are going to play a lot. Yeah. So, and, and that's the thing, Rob. That's uh, you can speak to this though. At this mm-hmm. point, and, and guys respond differently to motivational tactics by coaches, and, and how you play when you've got depth, where you feel you've got four guys that you feel are on a pretty equal playing field. Uh, maybe this a situation where, hey, if a guy does do something like gets beat on a double move, you can. Pull that guy right out and send a guy in and not not sweat that, oh, we're giving somebody demotion. No, I'm putting him in because he's just as good as you are, and I trust him to not screw up and get beat on a double move. No, no, I, t- I listen, you can go either way with it, and I totally get it. If you feel like you have four starting corners, that's a luxury. Yeah. But throwing it out there because the guy who played the position, it can backfire on you right. because you can have guys – who are who plan on pins and needles, and they they're not relaxed out there. They don't play aggressive and don't play confident because they always believe, oh, I get beat, I get pulled. And, you know what I mean? So, yep. or you can get guys that are competing like hell because they're 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 thinking I got to play my best every rep because I know there's a guy right behind me. I, it all depends on the mindset of the guy you got there. So, as a coach, that's what you got to figure yep. out. But some guys they may not respond necessarily to that yeah. tactic. Yeah, right. and and it's a luxury to have, especially in just the modern tempo-based world where, like, I mean, you still want to have your two DBs, but to expect 100% snaps and no injuries is almost impossible throughout the year. So it'd be really interesting to see how these guys specifically work their tool-wise for their D coordinator. You know, certain DBs or certain cornerbacks may be better in certain type of matchups or speed-based or guys, you know, what your favorite to where it can make the options be more for the defense. Now, who knows if the players are all on the same page, understand how well they work together, because certain positions, certain sports, it's all different across the board. But if that DB room is good and they're all on the same page and we're watching film and know each other's strengths and know each other's weaknesses and the coach is assessing it well, it's only exactly what you would want in this situation having four guys, but it also adds some volatility there because everybody's human. You don't know how they're going to react in that situation. And, and Rod, you could, again, it's going to be a, a mindset thing and, and getting that for Chris Ash and Jay Valai. Maybe it could be just week to week based on matchups. If you've got if, if somebody's going to roll out outside receivers that are six four and six five, okay, maybe that's a week where 
you like uh, Josh Thompson and Jalen Green because you'd like to have more size out there if they're you know or maybe you like Kenyatta Watson that week you know if they're Smaller, quicker guys. Maybe you like Deshaun Jam. Maybe that's a week where you like Deshaun Jamison and Josh Thompson. I don't know, but yeah, that it's going to be. I'm more interested. I, I'm less concerned with at the start of the season who starts the opener. I'm less concerned with that as opposed to when we get in the middle of the season. Yeah. Who can we tell is playing more? No, no, I agree. I think Matt's right. It'll be. It's more about injuries because last year they were decimated. I think they had started. 12 different DBs started. Seven of those DBs missed at least two games. They were just decimated mm-hmm. with injuries last Rarely year. So you make it all the way through. Yeah. I mean, and look at the 05 team. You had the luxury of Aaron Ross sort of being an extra DB, mm-hmm. but like Terrell Brown breaks his arm in the championship game in the fourth quarter. If that happens way earlier in the year, who knows how it happens and how it affects. But to have that depth and have that is yeah. only good in that room. And normally you would bet if everybody's on that elite level, they also, the pure accountability and then understanding of what's better for the 11 defensively on the field. It's probably going to be able to work well together. If I had ranked the corners, I'd have went probably be Deshaun Jameson, maybe Jalen Green, Kenyatta Watson. I think Josh Thompson would have been last for me. Obviously, I'm not watching practice, and I don't know the scheme. And I none none of us are either. So. Yeah, exactly. So that's how. That's why I say this surprises me because Josh Thompson, I believe, was a dark horse in this whole thing. Yeah, to win a starting the spot. The staff really likes him. That's what I'm saying. Like, ever, the staff ever likes him. Since, exactly. Ever since they. Like, ever since Chris yeah. Ash got here and started watching film, he just likes him. He's like, hey, some Josh Thompson. Every player wants a coach to come in and just like him. And sometimes mm. it happens like, coach just likes that guy. Like, damn, he just likes him. Damn it. Let me see just like guy. me. Sometimes a coach just don't like you. You're like, damn it, you don't like me. And you know <laughs> you it, get too. a new boss and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, sometimes man. Sometimes your boss likes you. Well, sometimes it, your boss doesn't. Like, go, <laughs> go back to your secondary, Rod, going from 2000 to 2001, like Ahmad Brooks kind of lost a job in it, 2000. That's exactly right. Dwayne Aquina comes in and he loves him some of my Brooks. Brooks. And Dakari Pearson, who's a, a, a freshman All-American, you know what I mean? He's the one you that's fighting for it for playing time. And it's like, what? But it's a luxury, but you're right. I mean, sometimes your technique or your philosophy just favors another person's, you know, mentality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and speaking of defensive back depth, I mean, you're to Matt's point about injury, it's like, everyone's like, oh my gosh, B.J. Foster's not going to start. He's a backup safety. Like, they're gonna find a way to get BJ Foster on the field. Like it's it's gonna so. work itself out. Like you're, so. we're not gonna. It, I'll tell you what. If we get to like game five or six and we haven't seen BJ Foster, it'll be way before then when we're all asking questions like, where is BJ Foster and, and what is he doing? Yeah. Unless it's just a situation, Rod, where maybe I don't know. Maybe this is just time where he's and we know he's been practicing. We know he's out yeah. there, but I just I, I want to. I think it. In the same way, Caden, a healthy Caden Stearns changes the complexion of this defense. Man, a healthy BJ Foster can completely change the outlook for this defense. I'm with you, man. And I don't care where you put him. You want to put him at safety. You want to put him in the nickel. It, it, you want to have a special package for him. It doesn't matter. He's, he's a hell of a ball player. He's one of your best eleven. He's just a ball player. Yeah. I'm with you. I he's think they'll find a place for him. Exactly. And like whenever it's funny, a year ago about this time. We were looking around like, man, we're running out of running backs and running out of DBs. And then now we just did a whole show saying, well, we got some depth here at running. We got some depth here at DB. Like, that's good to have this year. But this, yeah. like, like, your backup safeties right now are Montrell Estelle and B.J. Foster. That's crazy. That's a starting safety tandem at anywhere else in the Big 12. Yeah, that's crazy. I agree with you. That's 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 nuts. They've been stockpiling that position. And so, if Rod, we know anything about injuries in this COVID world, there's going to be some injuries early on, so it's good to have this depth. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and that's that's another thing, Matt. I'm glad you brought up COVID just from the standpoint, 
Rod, if a guy wakes up on a Saturday and he's got a tickle in his throat or a runny nose, mm-hmm. high temperature, whatever, yeah. missed his COVID test because he went out or something, pulled whatever it, it is. Now it's a great point. This day, yeah, I, I didn't think about that. That yeah. even is probably more than injuries this year. Yeah, that's probably sure. why depth is so important. Remember, uh, two weeks ago, whenever we were doing the show, I was talking about the Auburn players who were showing up and they're all upset. They're like, man, we're trying. Of them? Yeah, well, at first they're like, man, we're we're trying to not get COVID, but then we're going to class and all these kids aren't wearing masks and like they were trying to find a way to be isolated away from their students and then you see nine kids and then seven more and that literally we talked about that two weeks on the show and the players were saying we're gonna get it none of these kids here care about it they got it they got it so that's uh, another another thing to consider but rod when we talk about depth in the secondary and the impact of this defensive line as we get ready to close it out and we'll continue this next week and wrap up the defense and start looking forward to some more big picture season stuff that's why I'm not too terribly concerned about linebacker. And, and the reason why I say that is this. Todd Orlando's defense, and he said this on more than one occasion, that defense was going to go as the two inside linebackers went. And we mm. saw in 2017 yeah. when you had a guy that went to the combine and ran a 4-5-2 in Malik Jefferson, the guy that went to combine and ran a 4-4-3 in Gary Johnson that were mm. perfect prototype linebackers for the Big 12. Yeah, your defense was really good. And look, Puna Ford and Holton Hill, Deshaun Elliott, they had other parts of defense that were really good. But as linebacker play dropped off, so did what this defense did Mm -hmm. to where last year, God bless them, and it's not their fault, but you're asking Delia Dayaway and Jawan Mitchell to play next to each other. That wasn't their fault. They did the best they could. That's that's on you as a coach. You know you're going to get exposed in this league playing two traditional thumping so you got to see you got Mike backers next to each other. Yeah. In a, in a space and pace league, they got no shot. And Chris Ash's defense isn't as linebacker dependent as Todd Orlando's defense was. And at this point, Rod, we thought, hey, that middle linebacker job, it's kind of like the right side of the offensive line. Like, well, this is going to be the, one of the best camp battles we see. Mm. Well, the right side of the offensive line, Willie Tyler opts out. Isaiah Hookfin hurts a shoulder. So Christian Jones gets a local for guess what? <laughs> you guys win. It's kind of like the Bad Mike linebacker. Uh, Deli Dayway hurts a shoulder. He's out for a couple weeks. Well, Guess Jawan Mitchell, Mitchell wins Mitchell. that battle then. The guy. DeMarvio and Overshaw, I think, is going to have could end up having a breakout year, though, at linebacker. That would be phenomenal. And we don't talk about nickel enough and associated with linebacker, but. I do. I, when I'm talking about positions, I group. Yeah, right the there. nickel is essentially part of that group. Like the H is a part of the you know, wide receiving core and also a part of the, the backfield. It is. It'll spur. And, yeah, and Adam Mora, from you know all the reports, he's been a, he's a stud. Expecting big things from him too. So if Overshone and Adam Mora can have breakout seasons, I think that also would diffuse some of the anxiety about linebacker. To me, I think Rod. This will be my closing comment. Well, again, we'll pick this up next week. I, I think if if you start having issues at linebacker, I think that's when Chris Ash starts to think outside the box and look at ideas like, okay, uh, our linebackers just aren't cutting it. How do how do you sell B.J. Foster on a move to linebacker just to just to be able to play him at the second level? Agreed. Because if if, I, if, I, if 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 the guy that I have, you know, pegged at that position isn't getting it done, now I've just got to get I've just got to get my next best guy out there, and we'll figure out how all the pieces fit. Totally agree. You know, kill two birds with one stone. So that to me is the failsafe at linebacker. If you don't like what you're getting, then you can pull the BJ Foster card and figure out where to play it. I yep. feel like we'll be talking about this again 
mid to late season. <laughs> we'll be revisiting this Overshone issue. Overshone and Foster linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Both exactly. of them. I won that. <laughs> next week, we'll get uh, we'll we'll finish up the defensive conversation, and gentlemen, we'll have a game to talk about next week. It's Texas and UTEP. The season opener is upon us, and we will do it on next week's show. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049, 1019 AM, 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can catch Rod B on the triple option with RBKD each and every weekday from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can also catch myself and Craig Way on the on Light the Tower each and every weekday from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all our archives, classic interviews, and shows. Everything is available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to search Horn's 24-7 podcast anywhere you get your podcast to get Longhorn Blitz, the flagship and state of recruiting, just by searching Horn's 24-7 seven podcasts on apple play stitcher spotify and don't forget to like us and leave us a five-star review for the horn family for the horns 24 7 family i'm jeff howe thank you so much for downloading and listening and we will catch you again on the next episode you've been listening to longhorn blitz with horns 24 7.com remember for the latest longhorn news 24 7 visit horns 24 7.com Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.